why I recommend just getting an off-the-shelf theme. You don't need a custom website because you haven't even proven that your brand is viable. All you should work on during that thing until your run rate looks like a million dollars a year is marketing and sales. That is all you need to focus on. Hello, and welcome to the Optimized Store Owner Show, a podcast that helps frustrated store owners become optimized store owners. We are your hosts, Aaron and Christian. We want to invite you to join us each week as we share tips, tactics, and strategies from the most inspiring entrepreneurs in the e-commerce industry. This podcast will help you add flexibility, stability, and happiness into your life. Ready? Let's go. Hey, y'all. Today, we have Chase from Electric Eye. So Chase is a marketing agency owner who specializes in helping brands grow through online advertising, email marketing, and site optimization. In this episode, you're going to learn these three things and more. Number one, the number one off-the-shelf theme for Shopify that Chase suggests for you guys to use. Number two, how often you should be in touch with your customers. It was honestly a little bit less than I was thinking. So an interesting tidbit uh, from Chase on this one. And number three, since the iOS update, why return on ad spend does not matter for your advertising, but which numbers you should really be paying attention to. This was a, uh, a really insightful thing for me uh, as running ads. So it's very important for you guys to, to focus on these numbers. Super valuable episode. I think you're going to get a ton out of it. So all right, before we get into this too much longer, enjoy the episode. Hey, Chase, thanks for uh, jumping on the Optimized Store Owner podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. So you have an agency out in, uh, oh, it's, you say the, the Midwest on that East Coast time zone, but um, you have an agency out there, and really what you guys do is, is kind of unique uh, for e-commerce brands. Maybe you can talk a little bit about uh, what you do um, as a whole, and then we can dive deep into like specific areas of how, how you grow the direct-to-consumer brands um, out there. Absolutely. So uh, we did um, a few months ago, actually, we did a bunch of interviews with all of our clients um, and tried to kind of get things in their own words about all sorts of stuff. But the funniest thing that like we, we dawned upon is like, internally, we have this whole concept of like, we're growth experts, like we're so sweet at these things. And then we asked our clients, like how they would describe it, like you guys are Shopify experts. And we're like, that's so belittling. But you know what I mean? Like, if that's what they want to call us, if that's how people uh, identify with us, that's fine. You know what, we'll own it. Um, so what does that mean, though? We're Shopify experts, we're growth experts. Basically, we help brands that have established product market fit. So they've already gone through that tough phase of breaking their product into a market. They have existing sales, existing customer data, right? They have all that stuff already figured out. We come in and we partner with those brands and help them in a few different ways. Uh, a lot of it is the store optimization. So from a visual perspective, UX and the customer journey, how to make it easier for people to buy stuff, aka we're going to raise the conversion rate. Um, another thing that we like often to do, which is kind of in that same vein, is we do a lot of efforts into raising the average order value. Um, and then kind of the second half of the business is marketing and advertising. So we do a lot of work in retention marketing with emails and SMS. Um, and we do a lot of paid advertising, uh, Facebook, Google, Pinterest, and all those things. Very cool. Okay. Yeah. I want to kind of uh, unpack uh, several of those areas. So first off, you, you mentioned on the website um, and increasing the average order value, which we've uh, preaching as well. Um, so I just want to go tactical and like, yeah, like I said, unpack a few of these things here. So, um, and since you guys are, uh, Shopify experts, I will use the quotes here as a self-proclaimed and customer proclaimed, uh, experts as well. What's, what would you say is like the biggest issue, like across the board, like that, it, you know, most of the people you work with, 
are having whenever it's conversion rate? Like, what's is it an easy fix or what's where's the disconnect with conversions for most of the Shopify stores? Yeah, so the major issues that brands have when they are reaching out to us or just getting started working with us, it's very common is A, they're using usually an off-the-shelf theme that they've had for the last year or two that they've tested a couple dozen different apps on. So here's a here's a inside scoop, everybody. You install an app on a Shopify store. You don't like it. You uninstall the app. It does not remove the code from your theme. So every time you test an app, it's just injecting more and more code into your site, slowing it down. And no developer is going to chase down all that code. That's just not something that's ever going to happen. Um, and so the more that you do this, and the longer that this is a practice within your, your, your business, uh, you're just turning your theme base into spaghetti and it's getting real slow. So your question was, how do you optimize, uh, how do you optimize a store like for conversions, right? First is it's gotta be really, really fast, right? Uh, most of the projects that we're doing for our clients these days are tailor-made custom built websites that are to the T the only, like it only has what needs to be there and nothing more. Um, you know, the functionality is on point for the customers, like what they need to have and, and no extra stuff that's going to slow it down. Um, that means that we're oftentimes building in a lot of apps and into our themes because that makes them more performant. Um, but speed is definitely a big issue, right? And then the, another uh, really tangible action item here is just the customer journey itself. Um, the Probably the number one uh, issue that we see across the board is people are just too close to their site and how like they browse the site and just the navigation of how to get from point A to point B on their website. They build it. They've been using it for the last four years. They know how to go find their black t-shirt in a size large, but it doesn't make any sense to like just a common shopper, right? They're like just not following web best practices. Um, and so that's a really big thing. Um, so the takeaway from that whole thing would just be like, make sure that your website makes sense. The customer journey makes sense. The goal of the homepage should be to getting it to a collection page or a product page if you only have one flagship product, right? The goal of that page should be answer every question to get it into the cart, from the cart to checkout, right? All of these pages need to have goals. And then if you have multiple products, this is when navigation becomes and filtering and sorting become extremely crucial. Like you got to be able to get to the products that you want uh, quickly, especially on mobile, which is usually where this just goes way, way downhill is, you know, it isn't thought through like literally how easy is it to buy something on Amazon? That's why people buy stuff on Amazon. If I can't go to a black t-shirt and a tri-blend and a size large and filter down that fast on your website, you know, you probably lost me as a customer. So valuable. I'm just taking, furiously taking notes over here. Do you have something, Christian? Sorry. <laughs> um, when it comes to the, I mean, so you said that sometimes you, you guys would potentially build, build in to the theme, right? Certain features that, that the client might need. Um, let's say one of our listeners is trying to figure out what features they need on the website. Um, would you, I guess would, you would definitely recommend to find themes that have those features already built in um, and then potentially adding those, those apps. And second question to that would be if they do end up having maybe quite a few apps in there, is there a, a industry specific number on you shouldn't have more than, you know, X amount of apps on, on your store um, because it would, you know, do X, Y, and Z? That's a great question. So I am of the opinion, and this is just my opinion as an agency owner, and we've been in this game a long time, and we've helped people make tens of millions of dollars, right? So if that matters, 
if you're in that kind of scaling phase where you're still figuring out product market fit, so I would say that's between zero to a million dollars a year in revenue is that phase. Use an off-the-shelf theme. There's great stuff out there from out of the sandbox, uh, from archetype themes. Uh, a lot of the companies that are under that WeCommerce umbrella, like those are great performant themes for what they are. But what they aren't is tailor-made to your brand, right? So these are do-all-for-everybody themes. So there's a lot of extra stuff there. And what that means is it will not be as fast ever as a theme that was tailor-made for your customer journey and for your brand. Um, so we have just been doing this long enough that like, once you get kind of past that million dollars a year mark, investing in your own experience and iterating upon that is the best investment you can make as a brand. Um, and everybody has to come to that on their own realization. Um, so kind of that doesn't really answer your question per se. Uh, but that's kind of my take on when an off-the-shelf theme makes sense. Um, and then your second part of your question, uh, is there like a number of apps that people can have? Um, as few as possible to get the functionality and like experience that your customers need. Um, uh, a lot of our clients uh, probably have between 20 and 30 apps, uh, depending on their store. We've audited some, some <laughs> clients uh, and, and some accounts that have had like up to 75 and we're like, why? Uh, <laughs> you know, that's too many, I think. But if they are all serving a purpose, then maybe. But like, so as you kind of go to, down this custom route and you start building your own digital asset, like you got to think of your store as your number one salesman. It's literally, a, it's your, your location on the internet. Like you invest in it as if you would invest in a retail facility. Like you'd want your, you know, high street shop to be the coolest thing in the world and solving all these problems for your customers. Like that's the way you need to think about it, you know, for the experience online. Um, and so just, you know, keep all that stuff in mind. Very cool. Um, and then I, it's all in, from what I understand, I, which I don't know uh, much as far as the coding side of it, it's all like within liquid. So you guys just have Shopify developers who just build within like liquid or how, how exactly are you guys doing it? Or is it more of a, you need to find the right person to build that site for you? Or are there anything out there to kind of, for people like to teach themselves or learn themselves, um, or they just need to find somebody to do it? I would say if your business makes over a million dollars a year, you should not be learning how to code your own website. That is a giant yes, waste yes, of your absolutely. time as a founder. You should be working on problems like sourcing and improving the brand and marketing and not, you know, getting into the weeds of the code. Like that's that's like delegating is oftentimes an issue with solo founders. Yeah. So I just wanted to uh Basically, was, have you reiterate from what was that a leading saying. question? <laughs> yeah, it's a very leading question uh, to get to the same point, which is that yes, delegation uh, for a lot of the people that we work with is a very hard part, right? So it's just good to hear yeah. from Chase to say. I would reiterate. say, yeah, that in that scaling phase, like why I recommend just getting an off-the-shelf theme that's good enough, and don't even customize it. Just use what it is, make it your own. Maybe you know get some tweaks in there, but don't you don't need a custom website because you haven't even proven that your brand is viable or your product is viable yet. All you should work on during that thing until your run rate looks like a million dollars a year is marketing and sales. How am I going to sell more of this? What is my messaging? Where am I going to go find more of these customers? How am I doing that? That is all you need to focus on until your run rate. You know, a million dollars is an arbitrary number, but until you're like, okay, we know this is going to work. Um, it literally put on blinders for everything else. And that's something that people like to try too much and spread themselves too thin. Um, and that's a recipe for disaster. 
very good points. And you mentioned a couple of things right there with the marketing, right? So marketing can be so many different, but uh, a lot of people here are listening to the podcast for like the the ads side of things. And we know that the world is kind of turned upside down with ads right now. Um, just curious, some insight from you. Uh, what's working for you guys right now? What types of creative, what kind of strategies are working well for, for the direct-to-consumer brands you, you're working with right now? Yep. So um, I knew that this question was going to get asked because it gets asked on every podcast that I guessed on as of late. <laughs> Uh, so first and foremost, return on ad spend out the window. Like you can't trust it. And it's not just Facebook. It's like every single marketing platform is experiencing the same problems with like all these new privacy things that uh, are coming out because all, all a big tech's getting in a fist fight. Um, so instead of looking at return on ad spend as a metric, which sidebar, we never cared about to begin with at my agency, just putting that out there. But uh, the number that we are uh, oftentimes uh, speaking to our clients about now is uh, this new... It's not a new metric, but it's just the one that most people are gravitating towards now. It's called marketing efficiency ratio, which is basically how much money did you spend versus gross revenue, right? Um, and if you, you can track that historically as well, and you can see how the patterns match you know now that you can't have those kind of more specific or 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 uh, direct returns from like return on ad spend that's not really something you can trust there so that's how we're tracking things um also we're putting a lot of effort into owned channels i.e uh email and sms like doubling and tripling down there with some clients um which we've always preached and you know uh a lot of them now are like well we're pretty glad that we listened to you about that uh because never thought this would happen and we're like yeah, I know. Like Facebook is, you know, no one thought that Facebook would ever kind of get hit this hard, but lo and behold, here we are. Hey, so owners, are you ready to grow and scale your online business predictably and profitably? We've created a free 15 minute training that will walk you through the five key areas every online store needs to achieve financial success. You can grab the free training by going to optimizestoreowner.com forward slash ecom dash training or clicking the link below in the podcast description. Again, that is optimizedstoreowner.com forward slash ecom dash training. Absolutely. Um, and then for the, well, I was going to say on the, the SMS or the email marketing side of things, because you mentioned that a little bit earlier, but like maybe you can take us through that. Uh, do you think that people should be doing both SMS and email if they're just starting out or so they do both? Um, like, yeah, both at the same time or like start out with email first and then SMS or is it because Facebook is not as effective now? They really just need to be going all in on both. Um, I wouldn't say Facebook is not as effective. I would say okay. that Facebook is in some, definitely some weird, uh, growing pains right now, but our clients are still spending quite a bit on Facebook and seeing good results. Like, so it's Facebook isn't broken, broken just because like the, uh, attribution stuff is kind of hard to track. Like it's still putting your ads in front of the audiences that you want it to. Just can't tell you how well those perform. Like that's the only issue here. Um, so all of our clients are still spending as they were. Some of them actually increased spending uh, in certain areas. Uh, but uh, if you are a younger brand and you're just getting started, should you focus on email or SMS? Well, uh, we're pretty much only doing stuff with Clavio these days. Uh, and it has Facebook and SMS kind of built into the same platform. So it's kind of a little bit easier to get started with both. Um, but it doesn't mean that you need to be sending uh, the same frequency of messages, right? So with, uh, with a young brand, if you're doing under a million, I'd say that you probably are only emailing like once a week and you should probably only send a text maybe once a month, right? That's some really basic advice uh, without knowing any more about your strategy around. 
uh, once you kind of go into that scaling phase, uh, you're doing a couple million. Uh, that's when things get a little more interesting and you kind of let the data tell the truth. But the key there is do not text as much as you email. Yes. <laughs> yes. And well, I was going to say as a, as a consumer on a lot of these things, it's very annoying when people are texting me so many different offers of buy my pizza, buy my whatever it is like every single week. Um, it, yes. Bad user experience. Um, when you get to uh, that million dollars, right? So let's uh, let's just assume now that at this point they've followed strategies, they've they've listened, they've gotten to that point, and they're ready to scale. What's the difference between, like you said, the hitting a million dollars, and then maybe you want to make five million or ten million or twenty million or whatever? What's the biggest difference between the brands once they get that right? They've they've proved the market or the the product fit, and they have a good established market, like you said. What's the difference? Like, how do you go from that one million to five million? Is there any more strategy that goes into place with that? Kind of. So, remember earlier when I said like what we do at the agency, mm -hmm. uh, I, I mentioned three KPIs, and it was very. There's a very specific reason why I did that. So we okay. focus on conversion rate, average order value, and sessions. Right. So sessions is is how are you getting people to your site? That's that's marketing and advertising. So that's Facebook and Google. Right. Average order value is your offer. How are you getting more into a cart and selling more to your customer? And then conversion rate is how many people are buying. So those three numbers are very important because that is the e-commerce equation. If you multiply all three of those numbers together within whatever you, know, whatever you want to look at, let's say last 30 days, which is what we look at, you're going to get basically your sales for the last 30 days. There's your baseline, right? It's an equation. That's how it works. It's super cool. That's why I like e-commerce because it's math and I'm a nerd. So you take these three numbers and... Uh, you know, you can iteratively improve each of them and exponentially improve your like return, not your return, sorry, but your gross sales, right? So to double your business, so go from 1 million to 2 million, you only have to improve each of those KPIs 26% each, right? So that's going from a conversion rate of 2% to 2.13%, right? That's going from an average order value of $100 to 100 and $26 because I can't do math. That was, that was the easiest one to do in my head. And that's going from, you know, I can't do the sessions to see what it would have been a million dollars, but 26% improvement there, right? So uh, improving sessions is really the easiest one. So most people, easy is the wrong, wrong word, but it's most straightforward one. So that's usually where people go first and they invest all their money into paid ads, right? They go to Facebook first and they just dump a bunch of money in there, but they don't like, they leave a bunch of money on the table uh, because they're not optimizing their user experience to raise their conversion. So like, i.e. get more returns from the people that are they're bringing in from that traffic. And a lot of people overlook the average order value element of it, uh, especially in like the Shopify ecosystem. There's like people just put what they wanted in their cart. I was like, what well, did you try to offer them some other stuff? Like there's upsell opportunities all across the place that people just do not try. Um, and that's all increasing the average order value is, is you're, you know, trying, you know, just trying to sell them more stuff. It's, it's cross sales, it's upsells, and it's bundles. It's that simple. Uh, just make sure that when you present these offers, that it's like on brand and it matches what the heck's going on with that journey. Um, and people like to buy things; they just don't like to be sold. So if it's like, oh, I see you have a T-shirt in your cart. Do you want this Ferrari? It's like, whoa, that's like completely off base. Like, make sure it makes sense. Um, but yeah, those those three numbers. That's what we do. The agency is we just kind of. Once you get all the the groundwork put in place, you know you've got an amazing website, you've got good marketing systems, you've got some decent offers, and we just iterate upon them and keep going down the line. Uh, but yeah, scaling your traffic 
or like your sessions by 26% is so easy to do, right? So the, the harder ones are like conversion rate and average order value. When it comes to increasing traffic, what you do with, with, with your agency, is it strictly paid ads or is, is there any part of the strategy where um, you're working more on the SEO side of things? Great question. So our agency does not do any SEO work, but that is definitely a, an amazing channel to do. Content production is another way you can get a lot of cool eyes on your website. Doing partnerships with influencers, that's like another great way to get new traffic to your website. Those are just things that we don't offer. Uh, the only ones that we do at our agency is paid ads uh, and then like retention marketing with like email and SMS. Um, quick note there, uh, like a good just metric to keep in your head as you kind of enter this scaling phase as a business is you can like... Basically, you can pay for traffic up to making it about 50% of what you're getting to your store versus your organic and like earned stuff, if that makes sense. And like stuff will return pretty well. Once your paid traffic starts dipping into the majority of visitors to your website, you'll start to see your returns go down. Care to elaborate on that? So why? Uh, maybe I'm not following. Why? Why? why I don't know, but it's okay. like uh, so. Say that you get 10,000 visitors a month, right? And currently, 3,000 of those visitors are coming from Google Ads. The other 7,000 are like organic. They're from your email list, your social media following, and all that jazz, right? Um, you know, you can crank up the gas, like the ad spend on your Google account, to like make that now 7,000 and 7,000. So it's like 50-50. Of like all your organic and owned traffic from one place, and then your paid media from the other place. So it's like about 50-50 paid versus you know the other stuff. Um, that'll return pretty, pretty like much the same as it, it did when it was kilted this way. But if you go the other direction, where it's a majority paid versus this much earned, then those returns are pretty bad, or they will they will start to go bad. Very interesting. Yeah, I've never heard that before actually. Um... I don't, there's wow. no science or rhyme or reason around it. It's just something that we've kind of kept in mind and kind of told our clients to s scale, you know, kind of more incrementally. Because as you do scale up your ads to like match at 50 50, you'll see the next month that your, or your organic goes up. Plus, all those people now have just been put into your flywheel on average, like on uh, your email list and all that stuff. So they're coming in from different locations as well. Makes sense. Right. So it's like a zero to 100 isn't really possible, but you know. 10% increments is much more likely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. So when you're talking about, um, actually, I just want to paint the scenario for you and then maybe you can just kind of walk us through the whole process because you've, uh, I think you've done it at this point is let's just say I'm, um, and if you guys, I, I don't want to, uh, probe the question too much. Have you guys worked with apparel brands at all or clothing boutiques or anything like that? Quite a few. Okay. So if I was starting out, right, I want to go from like, I, I guess for you guys, I don't know how we frame it, but like a phase one to a phase two and phase one is like from the zero to a million and then from a million and beyond. If you were to take this brand, what would be like, what would be your strategy, right? And anything's possible, but I'm just throwing it over to Chase and you're like, I'm going to go start my own brand or I'm going to work with another clothing boutique and I'm going to take it. How would you scale it to a million dollars and then from a million dollars and beyond? Like personally, I guess. Absolutely. Uh, so first and foremost, I would... If someone's looking to start a new apparel brand, I would wish them the best of luck because it's such a crowded space. You gotta differ it's very hard to differentiate. But let's say that you've got a really cool product that is different. Um, this is what I would do. That zero to one uh, that zero to the one, zero to a million, I would uh, buy an off-the-shelf theme. I'd probably use Impulse by Architect themes. It's my favorite off-the-shelf theme out there. Uh, those are really, really smart people too. 
I would use that. I'd set up Klaviyo the right way. Um, and I would probably launch um, on the back of uh, a big influencer campaign, right? And I would then retarget those people through uh, like Klaviyo through SMS and email. Uh, and I would just keep grinding on that, keep doing customer interviews, keep getting user-generated content, making sure that we're building out systems within the business so that we've got you know content being generated all the time through our partners, through ourselves, and through user-generated content. Um, grind on that for quite some time and you'll get to a million just, just through that channel, right? That will work at some point. From there, I would double down on the experience. I would build a custom site that is to match the experience that my customer needs. Um, they, you know, basically a faster website. That's only what my customers need and nothing else. Um, and that would help raise the conversion rate. It'd be super mobile friendly. Uh, and then on the average order side, average order value side, what I see that works really well for apparel brands is an outfit builder. Um, that would crush it and it would raise your AOV a crap ton. Uh, that one's really cool. Uh, but again, it's there's, I don't, there's not a, an off the shelf solution that really does that the right way yet. So we've been doing that custom for some of our clients, but I digress. That's, this isn't a sales ad for me. Sorry. Um, and then, the, <laughs> then after that, uh, then I'd start to dabble into paid media, right? So I would, uh, for an apparel brand, I would probably do a lot of Facebook Instagram ads, all that content that we made with all those influencers that we were playing with, I would repurpose that all over the place. I would, you know, try some secondary channels like Google Shopping or Pinterest. Depends on like, is my audience women or men? Uh, where we'd kind of want to put some of that stuff. But you know, that is a very generic playbook for a brand that I made up five minutes ago. Very cool. Very well done for uh, that playbook too. So when you get the audio back from this, you can you can use that soundbite <laughs> for the future for yourself. Um, Okay, one last question here, unless and Christian, uh, unless Christian had one, I just want to make be uh, mindful of the time here. Is what do you think is? I don't like to ask questions like what is the future, but where do you think the biggest opportunity lies for the online space in the next, let's just say, six months? Because who knows what's going to happen after that? I mean, dude, we're living it right now. So with the pandemic, the uh, like online versus traditional retail spend, like the percent, it was like twenty six percent of the spend, uh, gross spend in retail, right. It was like 26% before the pandemic. And then during the pandemic, it shot up 10% to like 36%, which wasn't supposed to happen for another 10 years. Right. So we saw this huge inflection. And then now that we're kind of, you know, it's, it's the restrictions are rolling off and we're getting back to kind of normal lives and it all over the place. Um, the percentage of online spend hasn't gone down and it's continuing to rise. So what I see happening, in the, especially in the next six months, so we're gonna have a great Q4 online. Like there's going to be sales. I do not think it'll be as insane as it was last year. Um, I think last year was lightning in a bottle. I think it was just a, a very special time. And if you are going to get upset at your team for not hitting sales that happened last year, it's like last year was like a once in a lifetime type of thing. Like you need to understand that as a business owner. Um, but I think that we're like still like a lot of more people, a lot more businesses are going online. Uh, a lot more shoppers are going online. So there's going to be a lot more money to, that you can make online. Very cool. Okay. Awesome. Um, anything uh, last in here, what's the best way to connect with you and your team, Chase? I just want to make sure that uh, we're going to link that in the show notes. But if there's anything else additional um, outside of your website that we should have linked in here. 
Absolutely. Uh, if you are picking up what we're putting down, uh, you think that you might be a good client for Electric Eye, you can head over to our agency's website at electriceye.io, click connect, and you can schedule a phone call with one of our strategists. Or if you just like my rants about e-commerce, you could check out our podcast, Honest E-Commerce. Every week I interview uh, usually a store founder and we talk about their kind of journey of building their business from ground zero to up to whatever the heck they're up to these days. Perfect. Yes. Okay. And that uh, just real quickly, that Honest E-Commerce, is that a website too or just need to find it? Yeah, you can check out honestecommerce.co. Okay. Perfect. Awesome. All right. Thank you, Chase. Thanks a lot for having me. That's a wrap. Before you go, screenshot this episode and tag us on Instagram stories at BitBraining and let us know what you thought about this episode. And next, make sure to leave us an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This helps us reach more people and continue to improve the podcast for you. All right, guys, have a great day and we'll talk to you next week.